Welcome to Core Struction, a show about the missions, activities, and employees of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Anthony Cimento is the Regional Contingency Operations Chief for the Southwestern Division. The Southwestern Division is comprised of four USACE districts, including Tulsa, Galveston, Little Rock, and Fort Worth. Combined, the Southwestern Division covers Texas, Oklahoma, and portions of Kansas, Missouri, and Arkansas. Anthony, welcome to Construction. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. So, uh, before as we get started, so can you explain what what you do and what your work entails as a regional um, as the regional chief of um, contingency operations? Sure, absolutely. Um, First, thanks for having me on this. I really appreciate it. It's always a great opportunity to share what we do with, with an audience who knows not what we do. So um, definitely appreciate it. You're welcome. So, so, so what do I do? Um, as as a, the chief of the contingency operations for the Southwestern Division, have a lot of functions. We have many, many different functions that we do from field force in engineering to where we deploy teams of technical engineers to support events that are going on overseas in, in a lot of times mainly in combat. Uh, we have our flood control coastal emergency function under PLA 499 that deals with flooding and flood fighting and rehabilitation of structures in uh, levees and channels and such. Then we have security, uh, security, physical security, anti-terrorism, and and we're concerned with our structures, our our footprint that you mentioned. You know, we're really concerned with that and the security of our personnel in that footprint. We have emergency management, which is a piece we're going to get into quite a bit here today. But we have emergency management, which is responding to disasters. Um, working for FEMA or possibly working directly for the state, but it's those disasters in which we was utilized under the Stafford Act. And, and we do things such as debris removal, uh, temporary roofing, um, uh, temporary power, which Tulsa happens to have a team of those, uh, uh, critical housing, housing. Uh, so there's a lot of different functions that fall under that, that we do. Yeah, each and oh, I'm sorry. oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, no you're no. good. You're good. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, the the temporary power. Um, I know each district tends to have its own specialization, right? In those. In oh those, yeah. Like uh, I think what Mobile has. Uh, do they have a blue roof or no? Little Rock has a blue roof program. Yep, Little Rock has a blue roof, and uh, our Fort Worth district has debris, the debris removal and clearance, and our our uh, Galveston district. Sorry, couldn't think of their name for a minute. But our Galveston district has a uh, has they just inherited critical housing, so critical public facilities under housing. So that is that deals with uh, police stations, fire stations, uh, hospitals, schools, uh, whatever the mayor or the governor deems is critical to the the infrastructure of that town that was impacted by that disaster. And then you also, you also have, uh, don't you also have, uh, like the structural engineers who go to disasters. Like we have one guy, Christopher Strunk, who we sent down to, uh, Florida after the, yes. Yeah. For the search and rescue. Absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, you've been studying. Yeah, no, it's a great, a great, uh, great asset we have there with our structural folks. That team is run out of uh, South Pacific Division. They they control. They're the proponent for the whole agency, and uh, and they we have we provide people structural engineers to the search and rescue teams when they do go to go there. And then we also have um, our local government liaisons, which we, the Southwestern Division, is we are the proponent for the entire enterprise for the Corps of Engineers uh, for that function. And those are the people that will deploy forward to a city to sit with the mayor. They're right there next to the mayor, advising the mayor on what the Corps of Engineers can do for them and helping them through the process because as I'm sure everybody listening to this is aware, a, a disaster is very stressful. It's stressful to the leaders of those of those cities. It's stress not just the people who are impacted. Those leaders are trying everything they can to get the, their towns and cities back to normalcy, and it's just um, it's very stressful. So we put someone there right next to them to advise them in that. Um, in. Uh, as far as those teams that go, how because that's they they tend to be individually managed by the emergency management. At least the 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 staffing and recruiting of that they set that up at each individual district. And how are they reporting to you the information that they're getting when they're coming back? What type of stuff or what kind of information are they sending up to you? And how do you you fit into that? Ah, uh, great question. So, so when we have a disaster. Um, and I'm going to use just I'll just just pick a disaster that we have had in this region. Oh. So when when we are the leaders and and responding to a disaster within our region, we'll say we're going to talk about as we did before the floods of 2015, which impacted every single district within our region. So when we had those floods, uh, we would we would send the teams out. We would decide. I say we we have someone that would sit with FEMA and and figure out what they need, what the government, what the federal government can do to support the state. It's always at the state. The state is driving this train. And FEMA has a structure set up that works, that has all these emergency support functions stacked up under them. There's 15 of them. And we are one of them. We are ESF3, Public Works and Engineering. <clears throat> Excuse me. So under that function, and I know I'm going through a story, but I'm going to tell this little story, kind of give you an idea of how it all works and fits together. So, so when that occurs, we have teams in each one of these functions that are out there. The debris team is out looking at the debris, deciding how much debris is out there. The temp power teams like Tulsa District has it, are, are doing similar, trying to identify where the needs are, you know, by working with the states, and then we will, we will, we bring FEMA brings generators with us, and our teams will go and install those generators into these critical buildings, into the critical into the buildings that are deemed critical by the state. So we we're coordinating and consolidating all that information, collating all that information because, of course, we have a hire. You know, at the region. You know, we're smack in the middle of all of this. So we're pushing and pulling information to to higher and and to lower. When I say lower, we're to the districts and our higher headquarters in 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 Washington, D.C. So we're 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 maneuvering through that 
that whole process, which is always a challenge because as anyone that has a boss knows the boss is always asking questions about what's going on, what's going on. So we have to provide that steady information flow to keep our higher headquarters, Washington, D.C. apprised because they're being asked by Congress and by the Senate and by and by leaders, you know, the FEMA administrator, by leaders in Washington, D.C. So we have to make sure our boss knows all that information. So we're working through the districts. The districts is the tip of the spear. They're the ones that are doing all the work and the heavy lifting. At the region, we're a conduit for that. But we're, we fix. We, we also fix um, the issues that the district has. So this way, they're not stuck trying to figure it out while they're, they're in the middle of this disaster. So we, we'll go in and we'll help them fix whatever issues they might have. For instance, during the 2015 floods, sandbags was <laughs> getting sandbags, you could imagine, was a big issue. And we had all of our districts engaged in flood fighting at the time. So we worked that piece to the ground and we we were able to get, you know, sandbags and flood fight materials, not just sandbags, but flood fight materials to all the different districts. Yeah, we brought um, in. So the different don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we, we brought in a, a sandbag machine from Kansas City District. I remember that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now we all own our own. We have our own sandbags machines with sandbag machines within the region. So. We learned a lot from those floods, and then we did things to to keep um, to keep those from happening again. And then we provide, you know, in those resources, like we had all of our districts engaged. We have to adjudicate resources. So when we're getting resources pushed down from higher, um, we have to figure out, okay, where is the priority? Um, what is the commander, our commander, the the division commander, the general? What is his priorities? And for that district, which district is in needs these right now? Which one could wait? So we're we're doing that. We're going through that process too. <clears throat> we're and when I say resources, personnel, equipment, money, uh, you name it, any anything and everything you could think of. So so those are all the resources that we bring that we bring to those districts. So they continue to do their job. <clears throat> Tony, you, you had, you brought up the, the need for a request um, at, from the, from the state to, to a federal agency to, to provide assistance in, in the form, I believe of an emergency uh, declaration. So for the prospective gubernatorial candidates out there in the world, can you give a quick like breakdown on, how that works in terms of there's a disaster and the governor needs to, and obviously they'll have, they'll have advisors, but can you give a quick breakdown on how that works from, from our perspective? Yeah, sure. So, so there's different types of declarations. And I say it's the, the governor who will declare an emergency for his state, which what that does, that gets, it change, it, it enables that governor to be able to be able to use funds in a different manner, in a different way. It, it puts different people in charge of different programs to make it more agile to respond to a disaster within their state. Now, if it's a bad disaster, that state will ask, we are federal, we're a federal, we're a federal asset, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Um, that governor will ask the president for federal assets. 
And that could be in the form of FEMA and us, but they will ask specifically for they will ask specifically for what they need from the president. Then once the president agrees, there is a formal presidential declaration that enables FEMA to come in with all it has and brings us right along with them. And and we start all those, you know, with whatever it is they need, be it, like I said, debris or power or whatever their need is. And we we come in and then we're able to really help them tremendously. And the great thing about it is that is they don't pay the full price. It's a 75 normally it's a 75, 25 cost share, 25% for the state. Um, and depending on the president, the president might waive those fees. So it, it depends on on many things, those things I don't have visibility on, but but that's but they don't pay full price um for for these efforts. So that helps the state out a lot when they're in those in the middle of those disasters and they need all the money they could get. So so that's that's really the process um of how it works from beginning to the end. And it's driven by the you know, by the people on the ground, by that that mayor or that county judge that 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 needs help. You know, they're the ones like our districts are tip of the spear, those communities that were just impacted by that flood event or by that hurricane or by that tornado, uh, they are the ones that are asking the governor for the help. And then the governor in turn goes up, it funnels up. But those people at, at, in those communities, they are in charge of their area, their disaster, and how we're employed into that area. Did that answer? That help? <laughs> and you mentioned okay. we, 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 we use that term PL uh, 8499, public law 8499 a uh, lot. But can you explain what PL 8499 does and how that, how that helps? Yeah, sure. So public law, there's, you'll hear a couple of different things. Public law 8499, Flood Control coastals emerge, Coastal Emergencies. Public Law 8499 is the law that enables the Army Corps of Engineers to be the executive flood fight agent for the nation. That, that law is what sets that. And it enables us to respond to flooding across, across the nation. Um, and, and that falls under our emergency management teams that are at every single district and uh, it gives them that authority, and they're funded under that authority, and that is the flood control coastal emergency. Uh, so that is that is is that, and it's all about, and that is all about flood. It's all about flood fighting. It's all about um, it's all about how to respond, recover, mitigate from, and prepare for floods. Yeah, I know we've got some levees here that that received some damage, and and because of PL eighty four ninety nine, they were able to to get some construction funds for them yep. to to make repairs. You know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing we do. You know, you brought it's you, you brought up a great point. Um, it's not only all of that. That's part. That is part of the recovery that that we do we will come in and any levies that are damaged that are in the pl8499 program um the counties and the states the counties and the cities have to request to be in that program they go through a test they they go through an inspection 
we'll check them and make sure their their levies are up to date with current standards, engineering standards, and we will then place them in this program. So when there is a disaster, when something does break, we come in and we could and we will help repair it. We will, we will assist them in repairing it. And it's definitely a great program and it's helped a lot of people out, but that that's the other side. And I'm glad you said that. Um, that's the other side to this, you know, the, that's the tale, I guess you say that's after the disaster has gone through, we go out and ask them, Hey, is there any damages to any of your systems, your levies and wherever they come back with, we will start that process and rehabilitate that levy system. So you're down in Dallas at division and you're dealing with two Texas districts and a, an Arkansas and an Oklahoma district, essentially, um, with some, with some Kansas and, and Missouri mixed in there. How often are you keeping in track, keeping in touch with your emergent, the emergency man, I say yours, but with the emergency managers at the various districts, I know, you know, our, our Bill Smiley here at, in Tulsa, and, and the others, does that require, I mean, because you have so many different sort of disciplines, even within emergency management now, how, how often yeah. are you having to keep track with them and, and touch base? Oh, we're, we're in touch with them weekly, sometimes daily. I mean, even every week we, we, we meet all the, the chiefs, you know, all the chiefs will meet. Um, and we bring everybody, we let everybody listen to what's going on and, and, and we all talk. But especially with the last two years with COVID, you know, we had to figure out how to do a lot of things um, that were not in person. So, so we've been we've been having meetings, WebEx, you know, Teams, you know, what have you. You know, we've been doing we've been doing that every single week, just to keep abreast of what's going on. We even managed a disaster um, through WebEx and being separated, not being even being in the same room. Uh, being in a, in an emergency operations center, which normally it's how we do it. We were, everybody was at their homes and we managed events that way too. So, so it is, uh, we, we do, we speak all the time and, and the emergency management community is a very, very close, close knit community, very close knit. So it, it's, a, I, I talk about it, that it's a family is the way I refer to it. And it really is. It's a it's a very close knit family. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows who brings what to the table, and which makes it helpful when you're in an event. You know, strengths and weaknesses of everybody, and what they could do and what they bring. So, it uh, so knowing that about district teams and how they operate um, helps us at the region because then we know what we need to do to either get more resources or hold back and wait for them to ask or, you know, you name it. <laughs> but speaking of all that, not just disasters, you know, I just wanted to, mm -hmm. this one bit we have, we have, it's not just FEMA. We respond to our floods. We also respond to the department of defense and to our installations. You know, that was the other side. We have called the three legged stool and, and those three areas, um, FEMA, under PLA 499 and Department of Defense, military installations, we'll respond to assist them too. Right, we've sent some. We've sent some engineers over with the various uh, 
what is Ford Engineer Support Team? Is that proper term? FEST? Uh, no, no, the Fort Sill. Yeah, but we did. We sent the 59th uh, Ford Engineer Support Team to to Fort Hood, but it wasn't just to Fort Sill. I'm sorry. Um, Fort Hood, uh, Fort Worth District um, responded to Fort Hood and to Fort Polk. And Tulsa District just last year during the, the ice storms responded to Fort Sill. Um, and uh, the EM team went forward, Bill Smiley and the, the chief went forward with the, with the commander and the deputy. And, and, uh, and this was a learning event for us because we don't really do that a lot. <clears throat> so it really helped us to learn because uh, when you're responding, it, the, it's basically the same. It's just at my area, at my, in my level, we have to, it's a different funding that, that brings us those money. And we haven't done that in a long, long time and had a, had a lot of lessons learned because of that. If, and Tulsa District did a great way and did great in figuring out how to get, how to get that moving. If, if anybody's curious about the, the, the work at, at Fort Sill specifically in the Tulsa district, um, there was an ice storm a couple, uh, well, last year and, um, it damaged some military military buildings, like I think some barracks and some other some other facilities. Yep. And as yep. a result, we had to do a sort of an emergency, send out some engineers who could um, basically inspect the facilities and and try to try to make um, recommendations and make a, a determination on how they would get re repair funds for that. Right? That was the yeah. Kind of the oh yeah. And I think yep. with the COVID, were you also involved in the COVID? Uh, the COVID facility work. Oh uh, yeah, yep. Our alternative care facilities. Yes, that was uh, that was that was something. Yeah, we, you know, each district did a tremendous job with that. My goodness, uh, you know, identified hundreds hundreds of alternative care facilities in case the states needed those facilities to to help those that were impacted by COVID that had COVID. Um, yeah, that was that was. Wow, that that was an incredible time. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad COVID, knock on wood, is on the downhill. Hopefully, it'll keep going that way. And uh, during that time, you you brought this up. You kind of addressed it. You said you you all had had to do a lot of talking via uh, WebEx or Teams or or other yeah. other uh, systems. How much of a challenge was that versus? I mean, in previous years, like even when we had the flood, there was a lot of, I guess. There was a lot of those conference room phone calls in the EOC in the emergency operations center during the 15 flood and the 19 flood. Yeah. Um, with this one, it was it, everybody was. I mean, people weren't necessarily even in the in the office. You know. No, you're VPN, right. They were using the VPN. Yeah, and and that was a challenge because the Corps of Engineers as a whole was not ready for that. They weren't ready to have that many people on that VPN. Uh, and, and in the beginning, uh, they really had to work hard to increase that pipeline to be able to get 30,000 people from the Corps of Engineers into it because it wasn't that it was not designed for that at all. It was only designed for about 10 percent of that. So that was that was that was a tremendous challenge. I mean, we were using our personal phones. We were using everything we could think of just to get over that hump until until the our systems started working 
and enabling us to to do that. That biggest challenge that was completely one hundred percent IT. It was it was all about it was all technology. The challenges we were having and what the Corps of Engineers they jumped on it and they, you know, it was about took a couple weeks, but it was back up. I want to say it was a couple weeks. I'm not positive, but it, it took a couple weeks for them to get everything right so we could operate. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of a lot of IT infrastructure work that they did Ooh. and software work that they had to do it yeah. very, very quickly to get up to speed and they 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 got us they got us in there. Um in the last oh gosh, it seems like in the last five years, there have just been so many disaster response um, deployments yeah. that have come out. Like I, when I, when I way came, too many, yeah, I came home from Qatar in like 18 and in, in early 2018. And, um, I came back to work and people were still in Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, and, that's right. That's and, right. And, yeah. Uh, and then there we, was that then, time. and then relatively recently there was Louisiana, the, the storm yep. in, in Louisiana. Um, what are, is there one that, that and then nineteen in twenty nineteen that <laughs> there was the flood. Yeah, we had the pretty, floods. Yeah, yeah, it hit Oklahoma and Arkansas both. Right. What? Yeah. What is there one in particular that sticks out to you uh, that that was more challenging than any of the others? Oh my goodness, yes. Um, and I would say it was the hurricane in twenty seventeen that we had in uh, on the Texas coast. That's Harvey. right. That that one, that one it hit it hit the coastline twice. It it impacted twice. It made two landfalls, two separate landfalls on the Texas coast. So it damaged down in Port Aransas, then came back up and and hit Houston hard, and uh, and there was so much flooding uh, because of that. Uh, it was it, it was a challenge because our when that occurred, our systems were getting to the top of their flood pool, you know, the top of the, of what they could safely manage. And there were some releases that had to occur. And it was, it was tough because our leaders at that time really had to make some tough, tough decisions on what to do. You know, what happens if you protect the structure or, or you, uh, you know, you know, you have to protect the structure because if you don't, that water in the structure is going to impact the entire city of Houston. Right. You know, when you talk about an entire reservoir that's filled with water, if that, if that dam breaks the things it could do rather than just it, it, you know, so trying to think through that process and how to manage that was, was terrible. And it was, uh, you know, I took a ride down there with, or went down there with, with our, commanding general at the time and we drove through the area and just seeing the devastation was just it was it was heartbreaking i mean every disaster is but it was just this one we were really involved with because we we did we had all all the sides of our missions were come were coming at us from fema you know, fema brought us in and we were doing all the we were doing uh housing uh, debris, all those things were on the table. And then we also had our own flood fight under our authorities under PLE 499. And then outside of PLE 499, you know, our dams and reservoirs 
you know, managing those under our uh, O&M, our operations and maintenance line. Uh, so we were in navigation, yeah, I just forgot about navigation. The, the rivers were unpassable. Couldn't commerce couldn't, couldn't move through the rivers because the shoaling that built up, it just clogged the rivers from that hurricane. It just, it was, it was, that was the worst we've had in, in a metropolitan area, Houston being the fourth largest city, fourth. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fourth or fourth largest city in the, in the nation. Someone's going to yell at me about that, <laughs> but, uh, so he says I'm from orange originally. So, which is right next to there. So I should know this, but my brain just locked up. But anyways, so, so yeah, that was, that was the worst being in a metropolitan area like that. Um, and, the and damages said- to the, you said some of the, the resources that were brought to bear to assist that, some of those teams that we had talked about earlier, it was debris removal. What, did they have, did it, was it pretty much everybody? I mean, pretty much. It was everybody. We had everybody there. Yeah, we had a big infrastructure assessment, uh, wastewater, water treatment plants. Hundreds of them went down, uh, were destroyed. And you think about that, um, you know, you can't treat the water. People can't drink the water. There's no you know, no ability, you know, they have to, they're boiling water and such. And so we were out inspecting those facilities, working with the EPA to try to get those back up online. Um, it was just, it, there was so much, so much involved with, with that, uh, with that disaster. And that's the one that really sticks out there. I tell you that one. And, and there's one more and it happened in Tulsa in 2013. Uh, in Oklahoma in 2013, it was those tornadoes, the EFIs, both of oh, the yeah. doubles. More? Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, that black that went through. Um, I got up there, uh, middle of that. The uh, went up there after the first one. We didn't think a second one was coming, but uh, got up there after the first one, and all of a sudden the sirens going off, and we were at a mall that FEMA was working out of FEMA and the Tulsa district were working out of, and and we uh. We had to take cover because the second one just came through and it was just, it was horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. seeing that and seeing how quickly something like that could destroy someone's lives. And, uh, and it's, and that's why I like this job so much because it is, and it is the only job in the Corps of Engineers that has immediate impact on people's lives and bringing them back from such a horrible event like this. Uh, it, you know, we're not, we don't wait on anything. We're acting immediately, you know, to try and get to whatever their need is and fix it. Yeah. You definitely as a emergent as it for your emergency managers, especially you, you have to be like a person of action for that kind of a job. You can't be a sit back and, and wait no. person because like you, you're going to get calls from like you were just saying, you know, you had wastewater concerns and EPA concerns Did, with with that Houston uh, event, um, the the Houston hurricane. Did you have to brace it basically assist that emergency manager by by giving another phone number out or or how did you? I know we uh, well no our our team down there in Galveston is very strong. They know hurricanes and they've they're really good at that. But but what we did is just help provide everything else. Yeah, we were getting pumps coming down from other from as far up as uh, uh, Minnesota, and uh, so we were getting water. We were just orchestrating all that, just bringing everything we can to them, everything they needed, 
uh, we were, we just worked at getting those getting those things we talked about before those you know the resources you know the people the personnel equipment funds all of that you know we just started pushing and 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 trying to get as much as we can to them you know any event it takes more people than what a district has it takes more than what a region in my you know a division like the southwestern division you can't do this alone you know it's it takes the whole team the whole vertical team all the way up to our folks in washington dc that are sitting at the corps of engineers headquarters it's all one big one team and and we come in and and fight as hard as we can to to bring that town back and it's not just us you know we it's everybody it's the community it's the it's fema it's it's all the federal agencies it's everybody and it's and and but we as a corps of engineers don't do this alone at all we we couldn't there's there's it's impossible uh what um how many different fema regions are 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 or in in your in this in our overall division region. I know. I think in Tulsa we have two that we deal with, like five and six, I believe. Yep. Um, yes. Yeah. We're fortunate. We have other other regions have many. Um, we're fortunate. We just have the two. We have uh, we have five and six. Oh really? And, uh, yeah. And that's it. And uh, we're we're very fortunate to have that. And mainly six. Our responsibility uh, is is to be the proponent for the core for FEMA region six. So my office, we do that. One of my, my, uh, chief of current operations, she's the one who that's one of her big focuses is to be that kind of that liaison to FEMA region six. And, uh, because all of our States, all of, well, most of our States, I should say are in that region. And that's the reason why we, we have that. Um, besides our States, you got Louisiana and New Mexico, and that's, and that makes up region six. Hmm. Uh, so, and they're local too. So it just makes it very easy for us to um, drive an hour up the road to, to meet face to face when we can meet face to face with them again. What, one of the things I hear from, and, and it's kind of a recruiting point for, for the Corps of Engineers. Uh, one of the things that people say that they really enjoy doing is deploying at least every so once, every so often. Right. Um, yeah. We've had a lot lately. I know um, the power team has been on call yeah. or or been, you know, potentially on deck yeah. a lot. Um, do you get a lot of feedback from people who, who are like that park ranger or the engineer or, I mean, I know you're at the division level, um, but do you get a lot of feedback or hear those, those, that, that, those stories from people saying, Hey, you know, this, this deployment, it really, it kind of gave me a refreshed, <laughs> I kind of feel a little bit refreshed after doing it. And do you hear oh, yeah. things like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, my folks also deploy my immediate office. You know, I have, my folks are part of different teams, but I was also before me being the, at the region, I was the Fort Worth district emergency manager mm-hmm. for, for about five years. I did that job also. So I got, I got a good sampling of across, across the region. And and the thing about it is, Every one of our jobs, that every one of those those jobs that people go out, be it the temporary power mission, for example, they're all volunteers. Every single one of them have an actual job they do within the Corps of Engineers, be it park ranger, be it you know 
maybe a lock and dam operator, you know, whatever that job is, it could be design engineer. It's, but they volunteered to go do this. They don't really get paid a heck of a lot more, but the thing about a disaster, like I talked about before, the satisfaction that you get from truly helping others is, and, and seeing that immediately to where I've been in events where I've had people come up and hug me, you know, and, and thank me for what we were doing when they saw the red shirt, you know, and uh, so, so it's, it's a lot of satisfaction you get with that, you know, but we also have challenges with that too, because it is volunteers and our people do have jobs that they're, that they do. And, and the Corps of Engineers is not getting less work. We're getting more. So there's a challenge with keeping those teams filled also. So the more people that we could get volunteered for those teams, you know, the better off we'll be when there is a disaster. Are you are you getting those kind of numbers about the teams in terms of how what the percentage of you know people they have on them or whether they're fully stocked, so to speak? Or uh, oh yeah, seen? yeah, no, I do. We 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 track all of that, and then once a year we brief that to our headquarters to our generals at the headquarters. So, and the districts do a great job keeping those teams full. They really work hard. You know, the EM office at each district really works hard to keep those teams full. You know, there's challenges with all of it. You know, there's always going to be people floating in and out because of the nuance because they are volunteers and they do have other jobs. You know, but uh, but yeah, they always they always get people that want to do it. And then once they get on those teams, we'll train them up, teach them, train them, and get them ready to do their job, you know, in a disaster. Yeah, and a lot of that, too, is is understanding that framework, right? That, that yeah. emergency system. What is the proper term? Emergency response? Support function. Um, yeah, the emergency. Re- oh, yeah, no, yeah, the national response framework. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll teach them all that. Right. We'll teach them all that. You know, yeah, we're the Corps of Engineers. You know, we there's not a lack of smart people in our, in our world. You know, there's definitely not a lack. So anyone we get don't care what background they're from, they will fit nicely into the emergency management world, but it it takes a special kind of person. And you, and you talked about it, you said it, you mentioned it, you know, you can't be a person who sits back and just let things happen. You got to be that person who, who tries to get stuff done and doesn't stop pushing until it is accomplished. Um, takes a special person. You can't get stressed. You, uh, you know, when there's pressure, you know, you can't crumble under pressure. Um, you still need to be able to function. Uh, so it takes a type, a personality type to be able to, to do these jobs. And I can tell you every one of our EM chiefs and their, and their staff have that personality. When you are, you have to keep the commander, the, the division commander, the general, um, apprised of, of everything that's going on and because he's getting phone calls not just from his district commanders during an emergency um, but he's getting calls from politicians he's getting calls from yep. uh, elected and other elected officials what when you have a very limited amount of time to to sit down with him if you only have a little limited amount of time to sit down with him I know there's regular meetings what is the most important piece of information that, that you have to give him if 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 he only has a few minutes because of for whatever reason? Yeah, so so that's the no. He has some good questions here. The uh, there's 
you know, information is, is key to all of this, you know, providing information upwards, you know, across uh, and down, you know, so it's with everybody, but we make the time to ensure we're getting our, you know, the, our general, all that information, because he's answering to the generals at headquarters, you know, besides answering to, you know, like you said, and you're absolutely right. He'll answer to the, the Congress, the Congress, the senators, the, the mayors, the governors who get called by everybody. So he needs to know what's going on. And that's why with me, um, I've always had a great relationship with our generals where I just, if there's something hot, I'll just text them real quick and just let them know, you know, what's going on. And a lot of times, you know, I've been here through, uh, one, two, three, four, about five generals, give or take. And, uh, and it's been that way with all of them, you know, they, they're, they're more than happy to get that information from me. And it's, and again, it's just by any means necessary is how you get that information to them. Because during a disaster, you're, you're running around with, you know, you know, use the example with your hair on fire and it's just, there's things going in every direction and, and you're managing everything and, and you need to manage everything. So making sure to keep people informed is, is the biggest, most important thing because holding information is not where the power is in any, in any place it's sharing information and not just during disasters either. But so, so we just make it, we find a way there's not really any uh, secret sauce or technique that, that we use It's just, we just do it phone call, text, whatever it might be. And, uh, and eventually we will link up and get face to face because we're always usually running in different directions too. <clears throat> yeah, you really, you really, I mean, when you, when you think about all the information that's constantly coming in during a, a disaster or contingency or whatever term you want to use, um, there, you really have to be the type of person who can retrieve a lot of information, prioritize it sort of triage it to make sure you address what what's most important and figure that out really really quickly don't you yep oh yeah and that's where our emergency operations centers come into play it's just it's all those people um yeah i just saw uh, just two years ago was the last time i was there in tulsa unfortunately because of covid but but uh you just your operations center there every that's where that's the hub of the information that's the conduit. Everything in that district flows in and out of that emergency operations center. And then at the region, we have one too. So everybody is linked through those, through those emergency operations centers and, and those hubs. And they are the repository of everything. So if there's a question about anything, you could call any phone or contact any person in that, that EOC and and they'll be able to either get or find or know who has the answer. So that's really the hub of everything. So they're the ones who are tracking it for historical purposes and, and current for current reasons, you know, to make sure that we have what we need and those districts and those people who are on the ground have what they need. So Tony, I've, I've held you for almost a, for probably a little over an hour now, it looks like. And yeah, always, yeah. It went uh, by quick. Yeah, I, I always <laughs> ask this. It's always the last question, or I try to make it the last question. Um, yeah. 
we've talked about a lot of the different things. What have I not asked you that I should have asked you? Oh, I have. Oh my goodness. I have no idea. We talked about so much. We talked about a bunch in that hour. I didn't realize it. It went by quick. It's good talking to you that time, but, uh, no, I, I can't think of anything, uh, anything else, you know, other than this, this team. And I know I've talked about before, but this emergency management team of professionals that we have in the Corps of engineers is, is just, it, it, it's, Every time I see them in action or even talk to them, you can see the passion within them and, and they deserve, you know, to be lauded, you know, they, they are just, it's an amazing group that they have, you know, and a lot of them don't, it, they don't, they don't get the forefront, you know, in the regular day-to-day operations in the Corps of Engineers. Cause it, it's, it, you know, it's not the regular day-to-day job. It's, it's something that they do you know, you know, when things are absolutely at their worst, you know, so it's just, I couldn't be prouder of all of them and, and just proud to be a part of that family. But no, I know that wasn't anything you did ask me, but, but it just wanted to throw that in there. Well, thank you very much for your time, Tony. Uh, I, hopefully we can get together again and, and, and discuss some of the even more uh, specific areas that, that, go on in emergency management and the disaster contingency operation and and response world. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for CoreStruction. CoreStruction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Construction was brought to you by the Regional Contingency Operations Division of the Southwestern Division U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.